an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Good. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Did you just cut a false start on that intro? What do you mean, false start? I think it sucks that we're on audio only for this show, just because no one, you're going to edit that out. But I want people to know what happened. I, 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 have, I honestly don't know what you mean. Didn't you go whoop? I, I heard a little warm-up whoop from you. Oh, no, that, that was just my excitement to be back podcasting. We, we didn't oh. podcast last week because the NBA went on strike, and we, we'll get to that stuff. I, I'm still letting everything marinate and listening to, to a lot of different sources on it. But uh, we have a very special podcast planned here, and I'm excited to finally get to this because I've been dying to ask some questions here. Uh, with us today from Bleacher Report, as well as the wonderful Lottery Podcast, also part of the Blue Wire Network, is Jonathan Wasserman. Jonathan, how's it going, man? 
I'm doing well. I have a screaming baby in the background. I hope you guys can hear it. And I hope my wife does a good job of keeping him quiet. But uh, I don't know Par if you guys are cor- picking him up. I, what's that? Par for the course, John. I have an eight, <laughs> I have an eight month old, and her uh, her nursery is right next to the office. <laughs> I was about to say we 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 appreciate your time uh, extra because uh, you are currently in the process of moving, and you're also a new father. Which congratulations on that. That's that's incredible. Yeah, thanks. There's a lot of shit going on all at once. We're at eight weeks. Uh, oh, so Brent, so very, very new. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of stress, but uh, all in all, so far, so good. Well, based on uh, a, a paltry eight months of, uh, of evidence by comparison, I could tell you it gets even more fun. <laughs> I really like yeah. it, so hope, hopefully yeah, you're having I'm, a good I'm, time, too. Part of me, like wants him to start talking and playing sports and the other part of me knows to cherish the fact that he can't walk or talk yet dude we're <laughs> we're getting really close to the ambulatory phase and we're like i we've been uh she's getting really close to crawling and we're my wife and i are like yeah come on come on and then i was like i turned to my wife I was like you know we're rooting to make our lives like five times exactly exactly well, but anyway, good, Justin can't contribute to this at all. I really can't. I, I really can. I'm, I'm very self-involved. It's part of my brand. But the good news <laughs> for you, man, is that this has been a very normal, easy, not stressful draft season, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no games being played, so uh, how hard can it really be? Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I'm really curious about and i think a great place to start this is i would love to know more about your process when you're designing the big boards because obviously we're, we're kind of in mock draft season what's kind of your trick to balancing both sourced information as well as your own opinion when when you're putting those together yeah so i don't pretend to be the smartest guy in the room and, and i like to of course you know i have my own opinion about everybody but i talk to a lot of smart people um, who have pretty big time jobs and whose whose job is to literally evaluate basketball players for a living. And if they don't do a good job, they don't have that job. Um, so that's why so there's some guys in the league who I just really value and I kind of balance my own opinion with what they have to tell me and kind of filter out, filter in what I, what I value and what I, uh, what I think is right and, and, and good ideas and stuff. And so, you know, the big board is, I think people get a little too carried away with the number in front of the player. You know, the difference between 20 and 23 is, is zero pretty sometimes. And it really comes down to, you know, what, what team does that guy go to and, and, and fit and all that. And I always say, like, I wish I could do the big board after the draft because it would change, you know, based on, like, if I knew Mo Bamba was going to the Orlando Magic, he wouldn't be number five on my board. Right. Um, so, so um, you know, people get a little carried away with the actual number. It's more about tiers, I think. Um, and every team honestly has a, a different draft board. I kind of do a, a top 60 board, I guess, you know, in general. But every team, you know, if I were to do a big board for 30 teams, I'd have 30 different big boards with 30 different rankings. So, you know, it's uh, – yeah, no, continue. I was about to ask, uh, you know, you talk about 30 different ranks for 30 different teams. And I told Justin I was going to – I had a bone to pick with you, sir. Because on your <laughs> – on a recent article, you wrote best fits for uh, all the top prospects. And the Cavs were not the best fit for anyone. So that <laughs> – Yeah, listen, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't do – I'm from New York, and I don't think I picked the Knicks. Or maybe I did with Obi. But, you know, uh, ideally, um, if you're a prospect coming out of the draft, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Cleveland, but – not exactly a, an ideal place to get better right now. 
No, yeah. not right now. Um, uh, and there is they have a really weird roster for a lot of reasons. So I think that is kind of where I do want to take it, jokes aside, is what does the big board for the Cavaliers look like, in your opinion? Like, who do you think they should be targeting? And uh, who do you get the sense that they are targeting? I mean, my personal opinion is they should rank five players, best to worst, with not taking into into account fit at all. Mm-hmm. And whoever that guy falls to them, you know, the best guy, take him and, and ignore position and fit. And, you know, I'm, obviously, the, I guess the big question that every Cleveland fan has to ask is just, are we rebuilding or are we competing? And, and you know, the Drummond contract, and is Darius Garland, you know, a good starting caliber point guard to build with long term? And what's Sexton's real value? There's just so many questions. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to worry about stockpiling talent, get the best player available and figure out how to sort it out later. And so Lamella Ball has been number one on my board since November. So to me, he should be number one on Cleveland's board. Yeah. Uh, and you go down the list. Um, of course, I'm sure Kobe Altman, you know, likes or, or has some investment in terms of what he's put together already. And my sense is, you know, maybe he does want to have this player fit into what's already on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also probably has a better idea in terms of, you know, what he wants to do with Drummond long-term and, and how he feels about Garland. I'm just not really sure about his personal sense of the team. Yeah, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Justin, but I do think, like, the B, the BPA approach, uh, especially for a team like the Cavs, is, is, for me it isn't always as simple as just take the guy. Um, because I do think – I'm curious what you think, Jonathan, about potential opportunity cost of – trying to split development minutes among all those mm-hmm. guards if they were to take another lead ball handler type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, that would be uh, – and, and that's the argument against taking LaMelo Ball is that you kind of – well, if you put – you know, you give the ball to LaMelo, then how does Garland develop? Um, and, and what does that do with Sexton touches if they have to all, all split the ball? Um, you know, it's, it's a tough call. I don't really know what the right move is because I wish I had a better feel – um, and, and, uh, you know, I'm curious, I guess, what you guys think of, of Garland season. Somebody who I, I followed, obviously, in high school and whatever, how many four games he played in college. Um, so there's just such a, a poor sample size uh, of Garland, and they made such a big investment with the number five pick. Mm-hmm. So to just give up on him that fast um, is tough. You know, of course, I didn't watch every game from his rookie season. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other and then the other question is Sexton, Mike. Another question I could even ask you guys is the narrative started to shift a little bit. Um, you know, he went from like empty stats guy to, okay, now he can really score, but where does he hold the most value? Is he a six man? Is he a starting point guard? Is he better off as the two because he can't really get other guys involved? Um, so it's, it's, it's tough to figure out um, what everybody's value is and, and where we see their careers going over the next couple of years. At the same time, like if LaMelo Ball is the all-star of this draft, I don't know how you pass on him because of the chance that Darius Garland doesn't get his touches. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this is a a year where the teams that are kind of picking high here have a unique advantage where they're going to be holding camps before the draft where they basically get to see where these guys are at after an offseason, which was one of the reasons why as we uh, approached the lottery, I started to warm up to, okay, if the Cavs take a look at Garland at the end of September when they have their camp and say, this guy isn't, he still hasn't progressed the way that we thought. Because uh, I, I thought he had nice flashes last season, but if he hasn't looked like, okay, now that he's further removed, 
removed from his surgery. Uh, he has a, a, he's a little stronger, a little more confident. If they still wasn't that guy, then absolutely go ahead, take, take LaMelo Ball. But it doesn't seem like at five that there's a huge possibility of him dropping. Um, I, at least I'd be right. surprised. I, I think if he does, uh, the Cavs would still take him. I, everything we've heard from uh, Chris Fedor and uh, other people around the team was that Ball's kind of the, the top guy on their board. But what I, what I find interesting is I I always like, even if it's NBA conversations on uh, stars in the league or uh, when it comes to drafting, I like tiers more than ranks because I feel like, especially when it comes to drafting, if you are looking at guys that all have about the same ceiling, then you might start to factor in fit, not not just with uh, who's currently on the roster, but with organization, who you feel confident you can bring to their ceiling. Because you, you might have somebody that um, just doesn't connect w- with what your front office prioritizes in terms of character, team building, that sort of thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that there's some value to kind of being self-aware in what type of prospects you do well with. Yeah, no, and teams do. They they have tiers, and they'll tell you um, they use best fit as a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, Lamelo's going to be gone by number five. Yeah, I mean, somebody's if somebody doesn't trade up for him, I mean, he's he just won't be there at five. Um, I'm trying to think of like other guys. So other guys that are going to be in Cleveland's area, like Danny Abdia, who mm-hmm. probably, you know, I guess it, it's hard to say. He's in another tier with a bunch of other guys. And yeah. it wouldn't be surprising if they said, okay, he fits too well for us. You know, that, that gives him the edge over some of those guys. So they definitely take that into account. And then again, there are some teams that brought up that Bamba, Mo Bamba um, example from earlier, where like they obviously had Vucevic. There was, there was no room for Bamba to play, but he was clearly the best player on their board. They didn't worry about fit at all. So teams will ignore fit. And just take the best guy on their board, and, and, and in that case, it backfired. Um, <laughs> but like you know, Bam Bam, Bam Adebayo was a center. What this is when Whiteside was, you know, I guess he it, the narrative on him was a little uh, so had some favorite, positive but, stock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, he, right. So, but they took Whiteside. They, they took Adebayo, knowing that they had the starting center that they were invested in, and guess what? That actually worked out. So. You know, every team has a different mentality, uh, and depending on the draft, they may value fit and take that more into account and uh, more into the equation of their decision. Man, it, you just made me think of the parallels between Okongwu, who I'm really, really high on in this draft, yeah. and uh, yeah. Bam with uh, the whole Whiteside and Drummond kind of situation. But uh, immediately yeah. after the lottery, um, it was uh, Fedor that mentioned – uh, basically, the, the guys that the Cavs really like, the three that they'd kind of be uh, anticipating picking from, obviously anything can change. Someone can drop. Uh, opinions on Wiseman vary, and I, I know the Cavs are very high on him. Um, but it, it seems like it's kind of between uh, Denny, uh, Okoro, and uh, Vassell. And mm-hmm. out of Okoro and Vassell, Carter and I have kind of gone back and forth on who we feel is the higher ceiling. And, and the consensus seems to be Okoro, but I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts on if you want to agree with that and what to you kind of makes Okoro the higher ceiling player, if you do in fact believe that. Yeah, so I talked to a bunch of scouts in Okoro over the past two weeks. One of them, had, and actually all of them were seemed lower than what the, the media suggests teams are in Okoro. 
And basically the idea is that like if you're the, the upside with Okoro is really tied to his attachments um, because he's not really a creator. He's not really a shooter. If you're going to bet on Okoro and you're going to bet on him, you know, being a, a more than just a role player, you're kind of hoping that he's like a Brogdon type um, or, or, you know, somebody who just impacts games without putting up big stats or like a Draymond Green type. Um, and so that's, that's where the upside is with Okoro. It's not with any of his skills because offensively, he's pretty limited in, in terms of what he could do. I kind of compare him to Ananobi, where he's got these like big, powerful legs for defending. Uh, that's going to be his bread and butter. And offensively, he's a complimentary guy. I mean, it's hard to see offense running through him. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he's a good decision maker, he's efficient inside the arc. Um, I, I think there's a little more excitement with, with the sales game. Um, obviously, there's a high – I mean, the, the floor is shooting and defense create that high floor. Right? It's like how can how can Vassell not be a rotational player? But this year he made pretty big improvements, I think, to his shot creation. Some of his shot making that we saw throughout the year was more than just catch and shoot. He had shot 38% on pull-ups, which was a nice improvement. He had some nice follow-ways, some nice step-back shots. And, you know, obviously you hope those flashes become more routine – um, he's 20. Uh, he, there's just a, there's a, a lot to like with Vassell. There's a lot to like with Okoro too, but I think he's too far behind offensively for me to feel super comfortable with and, and calling him maybe the number five pick. I have Vassell ranked like just a, a smidge above Okoro. Uh, the thing that kind of scares me with Okoro is it does feel like the guys that become, that have the label of being really strong perimeter defenders in the draft uh, in, in in their college stats tend to pile up those blocks and steals. Not really. I haven't really seen those numbers and I'm something of a draft novice. Like do you kind of anticipate him being a a elite, elite defender at the NBA level or merely a solid one? Yeah, I think a solid one. Um, I'll tell you what though. He does have, he's got the the mindset and the work ethic. You know, he doesn't take it for granted. He doesn't just assume like I'm going to be good defensively because I'm six, six, two twenty five and, strong so um, he's somebody you expect will maximize his potential just based on his reputation off the floor his character um yeah his, his defensive numbers aren't crazy you know and and you know like deandre hunter last year everyone kind of thought deandre hunter was going to be like lockdown defender the guy who guards lebron and i think hunter was a little bit uh i think they kind of overestimated what he could do defensively his numbers were pretty bad he didn't have any defensive stats at virginia Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, I really try not to put too much stock into defensive stats, but like analytics guys will talk about steal rates and block rates and stuff. Um, you know, I think the safe projections say he's going to be a good defender. I think it might be a little unrealistic to think that he is going to be like lockdown guy who competes for defensive player of the year. Works. Is there a guy, so it seems like Ball, Edwards, and Wiseman are kind of the consensus top three, if there you can call anything a consensus top tier. Is there a guy after that group you think is kind of the, the clear-cut number four best player available that the Cavs should consider if he is there at five? I have Okongu better than Wiseman. I've had that from maybe like the second week of the season. I do as well. Wiseman is – I mean, <laughs> listen, Wiseman, Wiseman's – He's always stood out in high school because he's 7'1", 240 with a 7'6 wingspan. And, you know, playing against high school kids, it's just dunk city constantly. And then the first two games of college he played against, I don't even remember, no-name schools and, and <laughs> destroyed them dunking only. 
I mean, uh, yeah, Oregon. And, and Oregon has players. And he kind of, his weaknesses were exposed. He's not, and in today's league, listen, he doesn't shoot. He's not a good passer. Um, and he's not really somebody who's, who's going to ever play power forward or switch. You know, of course, he's capable in certain instances of, of moving his feet in space, but he's not going to be like a plus switchable defender. Um, so he's just like kind of like a little bit outdated and I'm not really buying his skill level. I know there's flashes. If you look at his highlight tapes, he'll have, you know, bring the ball up on, on the fast break and he'll have a fall away from the mid range, but those are not like realistic things to expect from him night in and night out. And he doesn't have that personality of like killer instinct. That's always been a knock on Wiseman too. It's like, does he, he's not that, he, he doesn't play with a lot of passion and, and uh, people have always questioned his, his motor. I mean, that's a, a cliche buzzword when we talk draft, but he just doesn't come off as a high motor guy. Um, and one of those guys I just question is he going to maximize his potential. Okongu, on the other hand, first of all, I think he's more skilled than he's given credit for. I think people look at him as like a shot blocker and dunker and an energy guy. But he was 94th percentile in post-ups. He shot 15 and 35 in the mid-range, 72% from the free throw line. And he's just uh, his skill level is just better than what people think. And I think some people are saying, oh, he's a post player. But, you know, post players are outdated. But not if you're really good in the post. And I think he's really that good in the post where you can actually give him the ball and he's going to create a high percentage shot with his footwork. He's got a great left hand um, and he's pretty hungry in the in the paint. And so I just see a high floor, but I also see a lot more upside than people might be uh, suggesting. You could you could have stopped halfway through and we would have been thrilled. This is a very pro Okongwu <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think he really would make a lot of sense for the Cavs. You did talk about Denny and Denny is a really interesting guy. Uh, from the perspective of he seems like a good fit uh, for a lot of what ails the Cavs. Um, But he also doesn't really have that kind of uber elite trait, as far as I can tell. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Again, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, (laughs) I think I'm just kind of curious what you think about what the chances are that Denny shows up and becomes one of those guys who becomes like something less than a jack of all trades and, fails to make an impact anywhere because he's not elite anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that's the knock, you know, what's his specialty skill. And uh, I've gone back and forth on him for a long time. And if you watched him in the U20 European championships, when he won MVP, he was the go-to guy. We saw a lot of creation and, and pull up threes and stuff, but then you put him against a different level of competition and EuroLeague, and even in the Israeli league, when he won MVP, he was, uh, it, it, didn't, it was tough to buy his creation ability. It, he dribbles kind of high, and, and his, he's more of a line drive type of player. There's not much creativity to his handle game. Um, I, you know, he's a safe play, and I think that's what everybody sees. And in a draft that's so uncertain, the high floor, that's what people value, and that's what I value. And he's staying top ten for me. I wouldn't, bet, I wouldn't put my money that he ever becomes an all-star player. Mm-hmm. But I don't Do think you- many – I'm sorry. Do you do you think he is a, a rotation player? Almost certainly, because I I almost worry that he's one of those guys that's like he's not quite uh, big. He's not quite skilled enough to play a three, but not quite you know quick or uh, uh, you know he can't hurt fours on the other side. I feel like that's the the worry. And a guy like that, I, I worry is that Jonas Jarebko? Like is that a kind of is that his floor? <laughs> like what does he look like to you at at the low end? I mean, like if I'm thinking like. Dario Saric, if, if he can be a good, a decent rotation player, and I know he's he's been up and down, but I think he was better than Saric was coming okay. out of Croatia. 
Um, their, their games are different. I mean, I don't want to compare one to the other. Um, but in terms of value and ceilings and stuff, I think he's got the chance to be better um, than Saric. Um, maybe a weaker a weaker Gallinari. You know, he's not the shooter that Gallo is. He's not mm-hmm. definitely not as creative as a scorer. Um, like a, a story lower in terms of his ceiling. Like a, I think he's got the chance to be a good starter. And I'd say worst case scenario, he's a replaceable starter. Um, but I, I I don't see him being like a guy who is like, you know, ninth guy off the bench and is changing teams every other couple of years. I find that really interesting. I mean, one of the things for me, I don't really feel like there's any cornerstone offensive guys in this draft. I, I guess Ball's probably the closest thing to that. Uh, but the rest of the guys, I kind of have a tough time f- figuring out how they're going to fit in. I'm just hoping the Cavs can deliver someone that can contribute on the defensive end. But also, speaking of delivery, we got to get to our sponsors here. And a big shout out to our sponsor, DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may still be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open up the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. I just ordered Thai food uh, using the promo code BLUEWIRE yesterday. It was delicious. Loved it. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your zero free delivery on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Fun fact about the uh, that ad read, uh, the Thai food was in the script. Justin's never eaten Thai food. Um, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, Sunday... <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket.tv. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and Direct TV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite team's favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday Ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday Ticket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Justin, I'm really glad you go first because a little uh, behind the curtain peel back. I never have the ad reads pulled up, nor do I know where they are when you start. Okay, and I'm, I'm just, fully aware of this. I'm I, 100% aware of this. <laughs> I had a really hard time getting to it this time. So thank God uh, thank God, the prior win was a bit longer. Yeah, not, not as long as the CBD read, though. Um, one, one thing before we move on from Denny, uh, John, I'm, I'm really curious. It, comparing him to Saric would it be fair to say you kind of view him as more of a four than a three? Like, do you, do you yeah. see him as a perimeter player? I think ideally he's a four. Um, or, or not ideally. I think actually ideally he's an oversized three. who's a kind of a mismatch. Uh, but realistically, he's probably in today's league going to play the four. And listen, he's, he's pretty jacked. I mean, he's, I don't think physicality is going to be a problem with him. He put on a lot of muscle over the past year and he competes. Another reason why I see a high floor guy is he's, he's tough, he's strong, he's competitive, and, and he's 19. And 
another guy who just seems hungry from everything I follow off the floor and the guys you talk to. Um, and I think he's a guy who can who can bang with some bigger guys and then use his quickness to his advantage. Um, and and he does have perimeter skills. And I know that people question his free throw numbers, whether they're more indicative of his shooting than you know his, his three point numbers, which are which are better. But um, I think he can. He's a shot maker, and uh, and he can handle the ball in the open floor. And he's got some pick and roll ability, and he's a good passer. Uh, you know, I think he could play either forward position. Um, you really just have to kind of play it depending on who's going up against. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, who the Cavs currently have on the roster is also going to be a factor when when you consider that uh, at the four you have both Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr., who probably has a good argument for the most impactful Cavs player and one of the younger guys that fits their timeline. Um, With their situation in the four in mind, um, I believe in your first mock draft immediately after the lottery, you had Obi Toppin going to the Cavs at five. Mm -hmm. Now, that freaked me out a little bit. One, because I I hadn't really heard anything uh, connecting him and the team just yet. And as I said, I really prioritize defense in this draft. I think there's a lot of guys that can make an impact on the end and he doesn't really fit into that category. Can you kind of go into the, uh, the, what your thoughts are on Obi and uh, the, the potential fit with Cleveland? Yeah, and I didn't listen. No, I don't have any sources inside Cleveland telling me that they're favoring Obi. Thank, um, thank you for saying that because yeah, they'll just a, a little bit All right. <laughs> Goal of the podcast accomplished. <laughs> right, right. Um, this was more of um, this is my mindset as Cleveland has to think best available. Um, and again, I don't know what the front office is thinking in terms of are they going to go after a fit? Are they going to you know, create a top five board and get their best guy? Toppin is um, listen. There's scouts who have him number three overall. I think I think management might kind of or Altman might feel some pressure to get quicker results. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Toppin is the type of player who can compete for Rookie of the Year next year. Um, I also think that, and the more I've watched and I've had more time to watch games this year than I have in any draft I've covered. Sometimes I think the defensive concerns are a little bit overblown kind of the same way they were with DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, we, the shot blocking numbers aren't great, uh, but he has the tools and athleticism to make those plays. You know, he's probably never going to be a, a difference maker, a, a big plus, but I think he could be average. Mm-hmm. And if he's average and he's averaging 20 and eight, um, then, I, you know, I, again, I think the defensive concerns get overblown a bit. So um, that was my thinking. I mean, again, I, of course they need defense but they also just need talent and yeah. somebody that they can bank on to produce. Um, and also, again, I, I can't help but think that he wants a guy who does not going to take four years to, to see results. So that's the, the, the line of thinking with Toppin. That, that's very fair. Does, does age come into concern when, when you're discussing what he can bring to the table? Because I feel like it's a little different. Like last year, I felt very strongly that uh, Brandon Clark should have been a pick kind of in the, the back end of the top 10. I, I just felt like he was that polished. And it kind of feels different when you have someone like Clark that is already very polished on the defensive end uh, and was an effective scorer, even if some of his skills were a little limited on that end. Um, does someone like Toppin that does still have uh, kind of uh, a decent amount of work ahead of him to round out his game to, to complement what he can do on offense, 
does does the age kind of come into effect there or do you still kind of think hey these guys are all young enough that they they have a lot of growth ahead of them uh, if they put the work in yeah i think it's you know the eye of the beholder some guys don't care and we continue to see older players get drafted and and cam johnson was 23 when he got picked and i think he's a decent decent uh, selection for phoenix Dante Graham was 23 when he got picked. Brogdon was 23. Um, you know, we're 26, seeing guys get better. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing guys get better um, that were that were seniors. And and I think again with Toppin and in, in this particular draft, when it's not like you're passing on any obvious stars, um, I, I think that there's a, a level of safety and and a level of like guaranteed production you're going to get with Toppin. And another guy who just has like a total great reputation off the floor. People are really likable. Um, and, and unfortunately, he can't do in-person interviews. But um, if he did you know, a Zoom interview with them, I mean, I'm, I'm guarantee, I guarantee you that people are going to forget about his age a little bit. However, if you look at the track record of 22-year-olds who are taking the lottery, um, and I actually have an article coming out tomorrow on like five ways to spot a bust. I think that's what they titled it. Mm-hmm. And like, go look at the track record of 22 year olds taking in the lottery. It's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, we do see plenty of uh, older guys get better and maybe teams will be more comfortable now seeing, you know, like Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson last year being a pretty good pick despite going to the lottery. 23 years old. And then, by the way, there's the other side where I'm watching uh, Jamal Murray go nuts in the playoffs and I thought that the Pelicans took a 24-year-old Buddy Heald at six and and, and uh, Murray went number seven. Um, and, uh, yeah, that looks like a big mistake. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It's really tough. It's funny that it's – I think it's really interesting that um, from a more objective perspective, you are more interested in – like in a draft like this, trying to find a star, uh, like in taking those shots. Cause like no one's that good anyway. Uh, whereas Justin are like, no one's that's good. No one's that good anyway. Just give us someone who can play. Yeah. Just give me someone that's safe. <laughs> you can tell that we're Cavs fans that have been hurt before. We, <laughs> we, we have tried rolling the dice in a not great draft and we, we got the fat Mamba. Um, of the three of uh, Denny Okora and Vassell, we've talked about kind of what they can bring on the defensive end. I, I think all of them kind of project to be good defensive players, but the the other need that's kind of glaring with the Cavs is playmaking. Um, how would you rank the the playmaking ability of those three? I think Denny has the most playmaking potential of those three, and then Okoro and Vassell. I mean, the, the big knock on Vassell is the offense is not going to run through him. I compare him to Mikael Bridges. And Bridges is kind of a good player. Uh, but I think for him to be optimized, he needs the right guys around him. And he probably is going to have that in Phoenix with the way, you know, Booker and Aiden are coming along. But Danny is, you know, and if you watch the 20 European championships, he averaged over five assists per game as their, you know, lead initiator, running pick and roll and, and finding guys and fast breaks. Um, and he's a good passer. I mean, he can, he was a point wing. I mean, that was really like his title before this year. And of course the offense didn't run through a 19 year old in EuroLeague, and he still has, to work on his handle and get played a little bit lower, but he definitely has some playmaking potential. And Okoro does too. And he, his was really, he was like the perfect example of guys who just in college, they play in these systems and their, their certain skills get messed. Like Okoro had the ability to attack closeouts and find guys. And, and he's a good passer. Maybe not somebody you'd call a playmaker, but a very good passer and unselfish player who can find guys around him and, and tries to find guys around him. So that's, I'd rank Denny one in terms of playmaking, Okoro two, and Vassell 
but Sal's never going to be a playmaker. You you have to know that when you take him, and hopefully you surround him with enough guys who can create. What do you think Vass- Vassell's uh, ceiling is as a scorer? Is it going to be a, just a, a spot-up guy and maybe an Ariza-esque, you know, maybe can cut and finish every now and again in transition? That's the most realistic one. That's a good comparison. Ariza, um, you know, I think Mikael Bridge is still getting better, so I don't know where his offensive ceiling is going. And then I've heard, like, you know, the, the really optimistic outcome of, like, Chris Middleton. And, and Middleton was, you know, not the, the most advanced scorer coming into the league, and he just got a little bit better each year. And, and, and Vassell made a nice jump from his freshman to sophomore year in terms of, you know, creating for himself a little bit. But um, it's hard to picture – like a go-to option in the offense. Vassell's going to need a good fit for his game to really take off and and get the right guys around him, but he does. And I think he's got the chance to be a very valuable three and D wing with, with some, you know, secondary scoring ability. I feel like he he's a fairly natural fit for the Cavs because they they really do need length of the three, like Jetty Osman, uh, bless his heart. But I, I mean, even with the, the contract extension he got, like that is the dollar value that you expect from like an eighth, ninth man. Um, he mm-hmm. should not be your primary perimeter stopper. Um, it, Vassell just seems like, for me, the, the comparison is Otto Porter Jr., who was a guy that I was mm-hmm. actually saying, hey, the Cavs should take this guy first overall because I, I was a little higher on him, um, m- mostly because of his floor. Like I, I'm fairly risk averse uh, when it comes to these situations, partly because I, I understand, okay, the, the Cavs always, haven't always had the most stability. So if you're going to roll the dice, um, that's uh, that it's kind of worthwhile to go that direction. But at, at the same time, uh, I've kind of talked myself into the possibility of Okoro because they do have a bit of a track record now uh, with Jetty, with Sexton, uh, with Kevin Porter Jr., um, Larry Nance even of developing jump shots how mm-hmm. how much work does Okora shot need because it, it doesn't seem as messed up on the way up the hitch kind of seems at the top is that more correctable than uh, like kind of a swinging motion that you see with like a Michael Kidd Gilchrist or Mikhail Bridges uh, earlier in his career yeah it's 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 fixable and what makes it even more fixable is that he's coachable um, so it's not – there's no red flags with his shooting. He's just not a very good shooter right now. He's a, a capable open shot maker. Um, and his numbers have been pretty consistent dating back to high school in terms of percentages at the free throw line and, and from downtown. You know, p- put this kid on an NBA team with NBA coaching and his only job is to work on a shot. And so for the one scout, the scout that I talked to said, I think that after four years in the league or by, by, by the time he's in his early 20s, he could be just like Marcus Smart, who is 35, 34, 5% or whatever. Um, not a shooter, but somebody who can catch fire. Um, definitely a shot maker once his confidence starts pumping. He may never have that shooter label, but somebody who could be threatening enough and, and you know, giving what else, he, what else he's able to add. Meanwhile, Marcus Smart, I think, just opened the fourth quarter of Celtics Raptors with three straight threes. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I mean, I, I've heard very optimistic outcomes for him, kind of comparing him to Jalen Brown. Do, do you feel like Marcus Smart's a, a little more down-to-earth uh, projection for him? Yeah, he's, he reminds me of a forward version of Marcus Smart. Um, Jalen was a little more advanced as a scorer, and I think he's more explosive. 
Mm-hmm. I know, of course, that's some nice highlights and transition, but I think from standstill position and, and attacking the rim, Jalen Brown has him. And uh, he was a little bit tougher of a score from from all three levels, but not as efficient as Okoro. Okoro just is, you know, he doesn't take bad shots. He doesn't make mistakes. He, he's such a, a low-risk type of guy who's never going to hurt. You know, he can have a bad game, and it does not impact your team. That's the type of guy Okoro is. Mm-hmm. You know, Brown, I think, is a little more offense is going to run through him. He's going to take tougher shots. Um, so I, I don't think that Okoro's scoring ceiling is as high as Jalen Brown's. But similar defensively, both smart guys, good locker room guys. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you can't say anything bad about Okoro. It's just a question of, like, how much can you love him? Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so we've already got your opinion on Okongwu, which warmed my heart, but also hurt because it uh, that, that was the other thing that came out on Lottery Night was that the Cavs aren't as high on Okongwu as a lot of us <laughs> in uh, Cavs Twitter. So let's say... Hate to see it. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, let's say Ball, Edwards, Wiseman, and Okongwu are off the board. Um, but before we get you out of here, what would your pick be if you were Kobe Altman? Who who would be your guy that that you would select at five with those four off the board? Oof, tough. I mean, the best player on my board would be Killian Hayes, and then we go back into the conversation of adding another point guard. Um, Point guard that does not want to go to Cleveland by some reports. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Yeah, that would be uh, – and, and why would a point guard want to go to Cleveland? No offense, yep. but it's just like two other ball handlers who they just got. So I understand that. Plus, plus um, poor Kevin I think, Love. I mean, he's already been through a team drafting three straight point guards before. Uh, <laughs> I don't think yeah. he wants a repeat of that. And honestly, I want to give the ball Kevin Porter a little bit more. I'm a big fan of his. He was – I gave him a lottery grade in, in that draft, so I, I love that pick. But um, you know, it, it's tough. I know you. I, I guess I'm I'm higher on Obi than than it seems like you guys are. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be. Uh, I think he's a little bit. The defensive concerns are a little bit overblown. So probably Toppin would be my pick. But if we're going to keep going down the board, you know, Patrick Williams to me is is the guy who from Florida State. He was Vassell's teammate. Is the guy who I think. If I were to pick a guy who is not getting enough attention and who five years from now we look back and say, whoa, Williams is that, you know, we should have seen it, that's him. Um, he's, uh, I think he fits kind of what Cleveland could use in terms of his versatility at the, the three, four spot. He's tough. He's athletic. He does a little bit of everything. Um, and he's the youngest NCAA player in the draft. Um, so I don't know, again, if we go back to Altman, like, does he want quick results? Is he looking for another long term uh, project type of guy? But he is the uh, – I'd say he's a bigger home on swing relative to some of the other guys. Um, just going down the board here, Halliburton's an interesting guy. I mean, I know it's another point guard, but I honestly think he's more of a two-guard and somebody who the the Cavs would value his particular IQ at both ends of the floor um, and spot-up shooting. And I think he's somebody who a lot of teams would value those particular strengths, but, but definitely Cleveland and, and somebody who could play with Garland, uh, with Saxon, with, with Porter, you could just throw him into any lineup. I really don't think it matters, you know, what position you give him. Well, let's, so, I think it's hang important. On, hang on, Carter. Yeah, I, go ahead, I wanted go ahead. to, I wanted to wrap up after that question, but then you brought up Patrick Williams, which leads me to one of my more baffling discoveries. 
what the hell happens to this poor guy on road games? I've never seen splits like this. He, he shot 55% from the floor and 50% from three at home, but shot 30% from the floor and 10% from three on the road. Did, did like every opposing team throw things at him? What happened there? Yeah, no, I think it was just coincidence, honestly. One of those and, fluke and things, he, yeah. It was a little bit fluky, and I'm sure, again, he's really young. And uh, in, in that Florida State offense, they share the ball um, a lot. And, and there's every game, it's a new guy. And uh, it, it, I think in that particular offense, you're vulnerable to just losing rhythm. And and I think between his age and, yeah, a little bit of a fluky stat there. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock into the splits. But, yeah, I do remember that being a thing. That, you know, I haven't, I haven't looked at the splits, but I do remember him struggling a bit on the road. And, and of course, ACC, I mean, uh, tough to, you're playing against someone every night. Um, he's coming off the bench. Just, he doesn't, he never had like consistent touches in that offense. So I think there are a couple of very, a couple of factors in, into those splits. Well, either way, I think uh, ultimately as before we say goodbye, I think it should be very much noted that if Obi Toppin becomes an all-star, this podcast didn't happen. And, uh, <laughs> and that we were with you from the start. And as always, we never know what the fuck we're talking about. So thank you so much for coming on. At least we have some self-awareness. We know where our blind spots are, and there are many, but that's why, so we, many. That's why we bring in the experts. Jonathan, we really, really appreciate it. Um, you guys, support the people that support us. Check out that article on how to spot a uh, bus coming out tomorrow, right? Yes, coming out tomorrow, I believe. Yes. So today, when, Perfect. when this yeah. podcast as drops. As you guys are yeah, listening today. to it, go <laughs> Go, you know what, if you can multitask, read while you're listening to the podcast. If not, check it out after. Um, also, check out the Lottery Podcast. Uh, new episode just dropped this past Friday. And you can also read uh, Jonathan all the time at Bleacher Report. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, so make sure you support the podcast the same way you support us, which is by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. Plus, if you want to be part of our exclusive Chase Down Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. Big thanks to all our listeners, all our sponsors, to Jonathan, to Carter. Stay safe out there, guys. And until next time, go Cats. What's up, guys? I am back just like pro sports. We got a bonus ad read here for our exclusive partners at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and prop bets, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they have to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE.
BetOnline, your online wagering experts.